Welcome to Sober Doc Coffee, a weekly coffee chat sharing experience, strength, and hope for anyone on the sober road to recovery. You can download Sober Doc Coffee weekly on all podcast platforms and check us out on Instagram at Sober Coffee Podcast and on Twitter at Sober Coffee Pod. To learn more about us and to help support these sessions, visit online at Sober Coffee. Here are your hosts, two guys on their own path to recovery, Mike and Glenn. Let's join them at the coffee shop. Glenn H. What's up, Mikey? Hey, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing fantastic. Um, just a little behind the counter, we um, we come into the studio early on Saturday mornings, usually. Super early. 6 a.m. we uh, start, and um, and we do four or five at a time. Right. Right. And, Why? Because we're overachievers. <laughs> well, no, because of our schedules. Um, and then, you know, we, we take a couple weeks off, and then we jump in again. Uh, but I'm all fired up this morning, man. We had some really uh, tuned-up episodes earlier and, and get the juices going and really looking forward to our session. Yeah, are you about ready to be tuned up again? Oh, I'm ready to be tuned up. We got right. some good stuff going on. Yeah, so normally we do some housekeeping. but Plus some coffee. Yeah, and yeah, well, I got the extra tall yeah. latte. It's so funny. Glenn reads my label on my on my uh, coffee, and he's like, seriously, is there any coffee in there? Um, but yeah, the there 14 is. 14 sugars, 5 the, pumps of this, 17 pumps of that. And an extra espresso. Yeah, but at least there's no ice cubes in there. That's right. So anyway, I want to jump in today. So we'll do housekeeping. So just a quick note, go to the website, all kinds of good stuff oh, up there. Oh, man, the website. I can't believe your writings. Oh, so so flush out. Yeah. Be, be honest, right? We're fully transparent. Right. Your writings, also known as blogs, I mean, just absolutely amazing. How much of those are written by chat? <laughs> GPT? GPT. Our, actually, our next guest uh, is is just an automation brought to us by GPT. That's awesome. It, it's, <laughs> yes. Sony doesn't really exist. But She's that been website, created. Man, that website right? is amazing. So let me jump, let me jump right in, man. Um, so we got a great guest this morning. Um, Love it. Yeah. We're super excited to have with us um, Sonia. And Sonia's got, she's going to tell you a little bit about what she does on her day job, but um, we're just super excited to have her because, and, and I got to tell you, this is, we're only audios, we're not video, but uh, when, when she arrived at the coffee shop virtually, um, her background has this like really eye-catching art and and it jumped right out. I'm like, hey, move. I mean, yeah, you're, you, you know, you're right in the picture. The, you're right in the way of this beautiful art behind you. And she said, well, that's my art. So you're an artist as well, Sonia. I am, and that's me in there. Oh, I love it. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So anyway, welcome, Sonia. Um, we're so super excited to have you. I think we connected via one of our, either our email, which by the way, people, please sign up for the emails or through social media, probably Glenn, Glenn's all over. Glenn does our social media and he does such a great job. And, um, so I don't remember, recall exactly how we connected. Do you recall? I do not. No, I and I do such a, a lackluster, mediocre job on social media. Not, not like some people do. Some people are like geniuses. Yeah. So, yeah, super excited to have you. So tell us, uh, give a little intro to yourself, because I couldn't do it justice, but I know that at the end of the day, I feel that we're going to be talking about connection here, and and I am such a believer. Here's, here's the thing, and my ADD is really kicking, or the caffeine is kicking in, but here's the thing. I never was a fan of connection. I didn't want to connect with anything except my bottle. That's it really, that's where it ended up. Yeah. Now, not in the early days. In the early days, the bottle helped me connect with people. 
right? But then I abandoned the people. When I went from recreational to requirement, I abandoned the people and I wanted no connection at all because to connect would be to expose my deficiencies, my disease, and the darkness that I lived in. So, you know, right? Connection, now I crave it. It is my lifeline. And so super excited to have you. Talk to me a little bit about connection. Connection. Yeah, I I always like think about like the reasons I drank. And I think one of them was I didn't want to lean on people, right? With right. any problem I had. And it wasn't until the last year when even I had been sober for five years, but I was in a position where I needed help to get through a divorce. And mm. I started leaning on people in a way I never had. I was like, I was, I was telling everybody like, have you been through this? Like, have you? And I talked to like, remember the pickle guy at the farmer's market? I was the like, pickle guy. That's awesome. Yeah. Wait, who gets advice and from the pickle guy? You would be surprised what sage advice comes from the pickle guy. I told the guy, this guy came to like take down a hornet's nest on my shed. I was like, husband left out of no, I was blindsided, you know? So oh. I will talk about it. Was it was really interesting to learn about myself that I always thought that I was someone that wasn't like that. And I needed that connection. I leaned on people really hard. Right. You know, it's so funny because I never asked for help. That's not the way I was raised. I was raised. You want it, you do it. You know, came from a single mom early in life, right? She was a single mom, ultimately got remarried and that was great. But, but we learned you do for yourself, you do for yourself. And what a transformation when you begin to understand that, first of all, Sonia, if you called me after this podcast and said, hey, I need help with something, I'd be honored and eager to help you. You know, people want people want to help and we need to want help. I I could not believe that as true as it was. It was like my I have two sister-in-laws, both divorced from my brother. And um, wait, they both both of them married your brother? Okay. And um, and they're amazing. Uh, my brother um, is an alcoholic, and so they both kind of understood what was going on. But sure. I, I didn't realize that I had been there for them in however many years, mm-hmm. right? And and I was so reluctant to lean on them, and but I had no choice. I was in such bad shape that I could not help but like I went back home to Toronto where they were for weeks just to be around them and. And someone said to me, like, do you know probably how happy they are to be able to give that back to you? Mm-hmm. Like, to be there for you? They must be like, because I was always going with, like, no problems, right? Like, good career, good marriage. And so, yeah, I think I realized that, too, that people want to do it. It's not right. like you're taking something from them. You're letting them give something right. to you. Right. No, that's absolutely positively correct. It's people want to be asked. Sometimes you just need to. And yeah. and I, I had to, I love by the way now I got the song Lean on Me you know in my in my head so yeah but especially um I mean I like a lot of people my whole life you know I was taught hey do it yourself do it yourself right. figure it out yourself especially in business oh right and 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 I think that was one of my problems is I thought asking for help was a weakness and then a point in time when I had no other option. Because all my crap came to an end, I asked for help, and boy, was help there. Yeah. And one of the things about um, AA is the 12th step. 
I mean, there are so many people that did stuff for me, stuff that I would never be able to repay. And, and I asked for some of that help, and some of it just came because I was in the right place. I was in the rooms, and I was part of AA, part of a program that was just so loving and forgiving and helpful and, and serving. And, and I've even said, you know, that serving is a superpower. Right. I mean, serving today, so it's, it's, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm you know, kind of busy, but when, when, somebody, <laughs> when, when somebody asks me to do something, I'll tell you, I say yes. And when I say yes, I'm like, how am I ever going to be able to fit that in? It always works out. Right, right. I, I chuckle. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but kind of busy? Did you really <laughs> say kind of busy? I mean, I, I Googled, uh, you know, super busy, and there was your face. So. <laughs> um, so so tell us a little bit about what brought you to the to this place. So you had you'd gone through some relationship things. And so what, what kind of how long have you been sober, if I could ask? So I've been sober now um, almost six years. Wow, and went. Yeah. And so I, I was super busy, right? Like I had a business that I started and um, it was going well. It was exploding. And the more, the better it did, the more I drank and the more my mental health was just spiraling. It was like, it took every insecurity and fear I had and just like magnified right. it, right? Like fear about like losing, like, you know, what if this all goes away and I end up like broke? And what if this, you know, what if something happens and like all these people are dependent mm -hmm. on me? And so when I got the offer to sell the business, um, it was like, it was literally like, like a beam of light, like shone down. And I was like, oh my God. And I knew that if I didn't stop drinking, that I was about to have a lot more free time than I had ever had in 40 years. <laughs> and that doesn't, right? like, that doesn't work out well. Ask, just ask me. Does not work out if you are drinking yes. like, with all your free time. Sure. And so all of a sudden, my free time was about to go from like th this three-hour window at night to like, this sort of like ambiguous, like what time would I start drinking? I'm gonna start right. drinking at like noon. Um, so I, I, I knew, I knew that that I was gonna have some trouble, and so I just quit. Like oh. I know it sounds crazy, but right. I, I mean, I was drinking hard, and right. I just realized um, that that this was just not gonna be compatible with you know life. And so, yeah, I quit without really a specific pathway. And so my pathway was just sort of like do all the things, like all the things I had wanted to do in 40 years, right? Like I wanted to go to school for photography. I wanted to learn coding. I wanted to bake. I wanted to learn how to make jewelry. And so I did all the things. And then um, I feel like something just started to open up in me where, yeah, the same thing. I wanted to be of service. And so I started getting involved with nonprofits and I started teaching entrepreneurship um, to the incarcerated and formerly incarcerated. And I was finally talking about my addiction there. Like it took me going to prison to talk about actually being an addict. Right, not and as an so, inmate, as a guest. As a guest, yeah. And then, yeah, just different things. I was volunteering, um, you know, with victims of sex trafficking, helping them with their resumes. So my, my thing was always like, how do we help people get jobs, right? I think that the only thing that really saved me from ending up honestly like exactly where they were was one it was like one bad night right and i could have been exactly where they were in prison oh and, that and is that weighs so that weighs so heavy on me i should have i should yes. have why aren't you right yes, and it's like right. i i had a 
I was running and facilitating a meeting for Everbloom the other day. And I said, I think they were talking about rock bottom. And I said, I think like rock bottom is if you don't actually hit a bottom is realizing that you are so lucky that right. you none of these things have happened yet. Right. And I think that is that should be enough. Right. right. Like I'm not in jail. Like, right. hallelujah. You know, yeah. and I think we should be so grateful. Take me to that moment that you said, I quit. Take me there. Where were you emotionally, physically? What did you, what did you, what, what was your tonality of surrender? I, I knew for a long time that I had a problem, um, but I was so high functioning. I was like the definition of a high functioning alcoholic. I like started built scaled and sold a business and and that made it easy for me to pretend there wasn't a problem but i knew because i was sick all the time like physically it was like a chronic illness i'm not somebody i love people who are like oh i don't get hangovers like my whole life was like a hangover and then drink to get rid of the hangover right right and then another hangover and so I think I just, I knew that it was going to happen. And so I was just kind of, I feel like maybe I was waiting for something like, oh, maybe like something will happen. I'll fall down the stairs and or I'll, you know, something or, you know, I'll do something that'll make me realize how serious it is. But honestly, in the end, I was just at brunch with a friend of mine on a Sunday and I had like the most vicious hangover. I was like, sweating i was seeing black spots which wasn't new (laughs) totally new like my hearing was going in and out i was fully didn't know what happened saturday night which was not new either i had been blacking out for years and years at that point and so i remember the waiter came over and was like oh would you like a mimosa and i was like no no i would not and i think it's like the first time i ever turned a drink down i always say like i'm like a gold star like alcoholic like i i never turned down a drink and I never had only one drink ever never and so I remember like walking back home after saying no to that mimosa and my friend was pregnant so she wasn't going to be drinking anyways so I was like I I just can't do it anymore I was so sick that day and I was like I just I played the tape forward and I said okay so right there you go now yeah so we're gonna have to drink tonight right to get rid of this hangover and then Tomorrow, we're still going to have this hangover because it's so bad, plus the next hangover. And I have to be at work at eight in the morning. And right. I just, I just like, yeah, I surrendered. I just said, I can't, I, should, I just can't. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm just not, I'm not going to drink tonight. And look, I'd said that for a decade every night, every like afternoon for a decade. It was like, I'm not going to drink tonight. I'm not going right. to drink tonight. Right. But for some reason, it, it was just the right time, I guess, that it just all, all kind of like fit where I was getting sicker and sicker. I didn't like who I was becoming. Um, you know, I think there's a certain point where like, you know, when you're hitting 40, that it's like, it's not cute anymore. <laughs> and it's, Yeah, my, and my wife would suggest rough. that nothing I did was cute in, in my addiction. <laughs> right. Wow. So lucky you got to keep your spouse, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, luck, lucky for her. <laughs> um, so so now your life is wrapped around driving connection for others. Um, tell me a little yeah. bit about how you connect, help people connect. Yeah. So um, I went through this divorce and I realized I hadn't set up a proper sober community for myself. And so 
I had tons of support, like my sister-in-laws, and I had, um, I live in like a tiny hamlet, and I have like neighbors, and I had a friend going through a divorce, but I didn't have anyone who understood this as part of my sober journey, that like, it was, it was not a given that I wasn't going to drink during this divorce process. It, sure. Not to me, I think right. to everyone else it was. And so I thought about it, I thought like I looked for what what I thought I needed, which was I need a small group of people. I need people that are going through not something necessarily, not a divorce, but some sort of life transition, right? right. Like they are trying to rebuild their life in the mm -hmm. same way I am and try to stay and trying to stay sober. And so I looked for it and I went to like, I went to like every meeting you can imagine. I went to like um, Satanists, out like not AA, but like, you know, sober Satanist meetings. Right, I right. went to like different types of like women's sober meetings, all sorts of different non 12 step community meetings. I had tried AA in the past, but you know, it was like on, I was like in rural Pennsylvania. I'm like, let me look online and I couldn't find it. And so, I thought like this, if this is really a void, then I'm happy to fill it. Um, and so I became a recovery coach and then I started interviewing like dozens and dozens of people, like dozens of sober people and said like, what, what is it you love about whatever program you're in? What is missing? Or and people who weren't in any sort of meeting. And so it seemed like that was sort of a recurring theme was well, I go and then it's like, I have nothing to talk about. Or I have nothing in common or I don't feel comfortable like making a speech or like a monologue. And so I thought, yeah, what I wanted, I needed feedback, right? I needed advice. I needed someone to say like, you're going to be okay. This sucks right now. And it's going to next month, you're going to feel better. And the month after that, you're going to feel better. And I tried this and it made me feel better. And so um, I just started to kind of like map out the idea of Everbloom, which ended up being it's basically small group meetings where people are matched on what they're struggling with so not demographically matched right. so it's more like i thought first about what are the things i struggled with and it's like i struggled with self-confidence self-esteem imposter syndrome so that mm -hmm. could be a group and then right now i'm struggling with a life transition that could be a group and and i feel like also this is one thing i noticed and got a lot of feedback on was a lot of people are in the first 90 days that are like starting like coming to meetings like they come when they're trying to get sober the explorers. and that's sort of a explorers right yeah that's a unique thing yeah let, let's have a, a different group for people that are in their first 90 days that need to talk about different things than someone who for example in like the first whatever after five years so for me like they were more they have an acute like urgent need right and I don't want to interrupt somebody who's on their seventh day with like, oh, my husband left, right? I mean, my husband's still going to be gone in six months. They might not be sober in six months. And I feel like mm. I always want to prioritize them. So that was a really important group for me to start. And we have multiple of those people that are in the first 90 days of sobriety. So yeah, the meetings are amazing. It's, I sort of try to step back as much as I can. I'll like introduce a few different topics and, and if, if they want to talk about them, they can. And, and they, I really, they talk to each other. I encourage like the crosstalk, right? Like right. tell each other what you think. If one of you is struggling, like it actually came out the other day in a meeting that two of the people in my group wanted to have a drink this weekend and like wanted to mindfully have a couple of drinks. And one, that's not compatible with AA. I'm totally abstinent. So that's, you know, that's a tough one for me to navigate. But there were people there that could help them navigate that, right? Right. right? And I feel like that's something 
like there, there's a whole sober, curious, whole gray area drinking that a lot of us that are fully abstinent don't really understand, right? And it's right. it's great to bring people together that are exploring that too. Right. So, Sonia, are, are all your groups focused on some level of recovery or related issues, or do you have issues outside of that? No. So when I started mapping it out, like the center was sober, right? I wrote the word sober in a circle, right. and then I just like put spokes coming out of it and, and thought, okay, you're sober and you're dealing with yep. this. You're sober and Love yeah, you have a, you're dealing with parenting. You're sober and um, for example, this is a really big one. You're a healthcare provider. There's so many healthcare providers that don't feel comfortable in large meetings and they feel comfortable with each other though, right? And right. so, and I was a healthcare provider and so I thought that's one of the reasons I was scared to get help and so that's a good one. But yeah, sobriety is at the center of everything in Everblue. Now, do, do healthcare providers not feel comfortable in big meetings because they might be recognized or... Okay. And, yeah. When and I I'm watching, first got I'm watching Sonya nod her head. And, yeah, right. And the listeners can't see that, but right, she's right, right. head, yes. Yes. Yeah. You know, the other thing, too, is when I went to rehab, they had a, an old unit just for first responders, healthcare workers. I mean, yeah, it's a real, yeah. it's a real deal. It is the real deal. Yeah, you're right. It's because... They're afraid of being recognized. I remember um, my ex-husband saying to me when I was like, I think I want to go to an AA meeting. He's like, what if somebody sees you? Like, what yeah, if right. one of your patients sees you? And yeah. I, I mean, valid point, right. but theoretically it shouldn't matter, right? right. Theoretically it's anonymous, but I understand that fear. And so, yeah, it, it exists. And so I think that, yeah, health, and healthcare providers have a really high rate of addiction too, just the nature of the job. Yeah, so I had a guy that reached out to me on Twitter a couple of years ago, and and he felt comfortable speaking with me because I was anonymous, and he was a well-known guy in the Philadelphia area. Surprisingly enough, he he uh, is right where I grew up, and um, and I'm in Chicago. But you know, he shared his story, and he says, "Oh, I'm never going to go to AA." And he goes, "Because he's you know relatively well-known guy," and and he's like. And I go to those meetings. What happens if people recognize me and they realize I have a problem? And yeah. I said to him, I'm like, I understand. I said, but you realize they're there for the same reason. Right. And, and it like dropped a wall of like fear. And he goes, never thought of it that way. And, and he went, he just celebrated two years of sobriety. Wow. Oh. So um, I get it. Sonia, we're, we're getting to the top of the half hour, but... There's a couple things I'd like to you talk in in uh, in our correspondence back and forth about building a recovery toolkit. Um, so yeah. two things I want to accomplish before we our time ends. Uh, number two, because I don't go in order because I'm an alcoholic. Um, number two is we want to let people know how they can get you know find out more about Everbloom. But number one, yeah. you talked about a toolkit. Um, tell me about your current toolkit. Connection obviously is number one. Um, Everbloom. What what are some of the other tools? I know Play It Forward I picked up in your... Um, what yeah. are some of the things you do on a daily basis, weekly, monthly basis to stay sober? I mean, I my toolkit was, you know, based on what I was going through in my life. So I was like journaling, meditating. Love I it. was eating properly, exercising. And so those things I noticed, like I, I really take the, the halt really seriously. Sure. The hungry, hungry, angry, yeah, right. lonely, tired is huge for me. So to keep all those things, um, you know, together every day is really important. And I noticed that when I went through this divorce, 
all of it went out the window. Right. All of it. Sure. I stopped eating. I stopped sleeping. I stopped exercising. And so that's when the idea of, okay, what, what am I going to be able to continue doing? And I went to meetings every mm. morning at 8 a.m. Right. And that, yeah, the connection now is the main part of my toolkit. And slowly those habits came back, right? right like sure. Now I'm doing all those things and like, you know, I have a normal schedule. But yeah, playing it forward, never question the decision is huge for me because when that one person that you essentially in your mind got sober for, I'm putting it in quotes. Yeah, right. Sure, sure. Right, right. When that person leaves because they don't like the person, the sober person. Yeah, you're left left with you and your sobriety. Yeah, me and my my sobriety. Great. And so, you know, I had to I had to not question the decision. And so, yeah, that's that's my toolkit. And it grows every day and changes. But yeah, those are my my favorite ones. Excellent. Excellent. How do uh, people find out about Everbloom? You can go to joineverbloom.com and you can come to a free meeting just to try it out. So no risk, no commitment. Just try it out. See if you like the format. It's not for everyone. You know, it's it's a, you know, 10 to 12 people at most and everyone's kind of talking and sharing. And, you know, even if you don't want to share, we really want you to, you know, help out the other members in the group that are struggling. And so, yeah, joineverbloom.com, sign up for a free meeting or you can sign up for a membership and... Yeah, and then we're pretty much Everbloom or Join Everbloom on every social media platform. Oh, okay, Join Everbloom. Awesome. Or, okay, we'll put those links in the resource room. Um, Sonia, thanks for connecting with us today. Absolutely great you to have a you. Lot of ener- lot of energy. Love your toolkit, and uh, love what you're doing. And uh, come back and see us again. All right, thanks, guys. All right, All right thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's Coffee Chat. To contact the show, email us at podcast at sober.coffee. If you need immediate help, the AA hotline is 800-839-1686. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 800-273-8255. Remember, Mike and Glenn are sharing their own journey on the path to recovery. Any suggestions, medical or otherwise, are their own experiences and should not be viewed as professional advice. See you next week, and remember, there is a solution.